customary, routine, expected. Don't you just, don't you love those words? Don't they just roll off your tongue? We like to be comfortable. We request the usual and we crave the familiar. Consistency is the comfort blanket of life. It's why we long for home. It's why we drive the same routes. It's why we eat the same foods. And it's why you sit in the same pew. We love familiar. 65 years ago, a man by the name of Ray decided he would latch on to this human condition that appreciated and even longed for the familiar. As a result of that, he decided to open up a hamburger joint and see if he could model others after that. Two of the things he was looking for was consistency and uniformity. He said that he wanted to have a hamburger that tasted the same in Alaska as it did in Alabama. That was in 1955. Three years later, his company had sold its 100 millionth hamburger. And now it's known as McDonald's. Ray Kroc understood the value of someone being able to walk into a place and order something and know exactly what they were going to get before it was even made. You know that a Big Mac is two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, Pickles, onions on, on a, we know that, and we love that. We love the idea of going into a place and it being familiar. I had an opportunity to travel to the Philippines years ago, and believe it or not, I found myself at one point inside of McDonald's in the Philippines. Now, a few things were a little different. They did offer fries, but their first choice was rice. Rice came with the hamburger. You had to request for fries. But let me tell you guys, after staring at food that literally was staring back at you throughout the Philippines, there was nothing more beautiful and tasty than a McDonald's burger. The golden arches were calling me to come eat there. We love the routine. Charles Seibert once said that the only time people like uh, surprises is when it comes wrapped in a big red bow. You see, the fact is, is that change brings about anxiety. It ushers in instability, insecurity, and in many cases, even grief. Even good changes can bring about grief. A child going off to school, a daughter getting married, 
Even a promotion can bring about change which ultimately can trigger some forms of grief. We want things to be the same. In 2015, entrepreneur Stephanie Parker pitched her product, the Zippity Zip, to the investors on the TV show, The Shark Tank. The product is simple. We have a picture of it. I think. Place your baby in the pouch, zip it up, and let your baby sleep. The science is really quite profound. Between the ages of 28 and 32 weeks, a child develops what doctors refer to as the Moro reflex. Is anybody familiar with the Moro reflex? Some of you may be familiar with it, but all of you have seen it played out if you've been around an infant. When an infant senses a change, the moral reflex kicks in. What is the moral reflex? Can somebody demonstrate that? Robin, I saw you do it. What's the moral reflex? It's this right here. Okay, it's what Kramer did on Seinfeld all the time. <laughs> that is the moral reflex. What's the science behind this? When a baby is startled, it will instinctively reach for what is familiar and what is comforting. Because once they're out of the womb, freedom can be unfamiliar and even frightening. When it's startled, it reaches out to touch something, to feel the boundaries. It wants to know that it's safe and secure. And so for all of us parents who are raising little kids, and for all of our little kids who think they're bigger kids, remember this, we crave boundaries. Even in our cry for freedom, we want to know that there's some place that we can get to that says, this is where you need to stop. This is where you're safe. The zippity zip mimics the womb in that it allows the infant to feel like they're in a safe, comfortable place. That they don't have to go too far and they find there what they've always known. Some things never change. But in Deuteronomy chapter 31, things are a changing. And Moses is preparing his people not to cross over the water of the Red Sea, not so that they can prepare to eat manna or receive the Ten Commandments. Rather, Moses is preparing his people for the fact that he is about to leave. Moses is in the last days. And although he spent 40 plus years with the Israelites wandering in the desert, he now is leaving them and he wants to address them as they are going to be led by someone else. I don't know exactly what it looked like, but I envisioned that at that point the people were standing as he 
spoke the words found in Deuteronomy 31. And so I want to ask you all to do the same. I want to ask if you would stand as I read these next few verses, starting in Deuteronomy chapter 31. I apologize if I've interrupted your sleep. You'll have an opportunity to go back to sleep for the next 35 to 40 minutes. Deuteronomy chapter 31, it says, Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, You shall not cross over the Jordan. Then the Lord your God Himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them that He said He would do to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom He destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You may be seated. It happened. God said it was going to happen. Moses conveyed it to his people, and it did. Moses died. Did you hear that? Moses is dead. The leader that had gone up on the mountain, who had brought down the Ten Commandments, the leader who held the staff that parted the waters, the leader who prayed for those who were sick, the leader who allowed water to come out of a rock, the leader who had cared for, loved for, and even begged for God not to kill the people who had wandered in the desert. He's dead. He's been buried. Familiar has flown, the regular has been removed, and the expected has exited. God had spoken to Moses. He spoke through Moses. And He performed miracles using Moses. And Moses is gone. Even when people didn't always like Moses, they didn't want him gone either. It's interesting about the human condition that we desire so much to have the familiar, even if we don't necessarily like it. Before the Israelites were in the desert, they were in Egypt. 
Now at one time when Joseph was there with them, things were good, but before long, the Egyptians realized that the Israelites could cause a problem, and so they forced him into slavery. And God sent Moses to let his people go. They end up in the desert. They had crossed the sea, and now they are free from slavery. And do you remember what their complaint was? Why did you bring us out here to die? Here they were, having walked across on dry land, watching Pharaoh and his army drowned as God closed in the waters. Miriam sings a song, and their very next words are, Why did you bring us out here? As terrible as slavery was, that's what they knew. And now fast forward several decades later, and here they're about to have an opportunity to cross over into the Jordan to the land that's been promised to them, a land flowing with milk and honey. You guys know the feeling of living in a desert. And here is an opportunity to go into a sort of, of paradise. No more eating manna and quail over and over and over again. Now they're going to have real food. And they don't want to go. It's why people who find themselves growing up in an abusive situation in a dysfunctional family often long to go back to that dysfunction and abuse. Sadly, many children who are abused at a young age tend to find themselves in an abusive relationship as adults. We long for what we know, even if it's not healthy. They're so close to the promised land and they're just on the other side. Enter in Joshua, whose name means God saves. But as far as everyone else is concerned, they're all lost. And the question becomes, is Joshua up to the task? Now he was only one of two spies who was sent into the land 40 years prior. And when he came back, despite the fact that they saw these men roaming around who looked like giants, the other ten spies said, there is no way we could ever win a battle there. Joshua says, we can do this. The Lord will give us that land. But now, could he do it? I mean, surely he had the courage. He mustered the courage to go against the other ten. Now surely he had the courage to cross over into the Jordan. Listen to these words in Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, None, that's N-U-N, by the way, just so you know. Moses' aides, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm going to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And listen to verse 6. God says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servants Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So what do we know about Joshua? Was he strong? Was he courageous? I'm willing to say that probably not. If he was, then wouldn't this pep talk from God be a little redundant? I think God understood the fear and the anxiety, not only of leading a people, but of leaving what was familiar to cross over. Notice how many times that God commanded him. Three different times in just those few short verses of Joshua 1, God says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and be very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And don't be discouraged. So how does He do this? How is He able to help His people cross over. Just a few days ago, I was watching a documentary that was talking about this blitzkrieg that took place by the German people. And they did something that no one imagined that they could do. They crossed over, uh, they avoided the Maginot Line, they went through the Arden Forest. People thought they couldn't get through that. Even if they could get through it, it would take them a month to get to the capital. Three days they charged for... Three days. I'm not talking about driving a car for three days. That would be tough. I'm not talking about commanding a tank for three days. That would be even harder. But for three days, the army never stopped moving, including infantrymen, night and day. And people said, that is crazy. How could they do it? 
Well, one of the things that we learned as I was watching this documentary, a historian was talking about an over-the-counter pill that they had in Germany that they would give to people in case they were a little tired and they needed a little pick-me-up. And so the army decided, the German army decided, let's offer this to our soldiers and maybe that'll help them get across. The street name for that drug that they were handing over the counter and they were popping on the battlefield is methamphetamine. They were giving their soldiers meth so that they would have the energy and the risky behavior to stop, to never stop until they got to the finish. Well, we know some of the consequences of methamphetamines. But there were no pills being handed out here. How in the world could Joshua summon up the courage and gather up the people and cross over to the Jordan? Seemingly, he did the impossible. He could squelch the fear. He could banish the discouragement. And he could gather up the courage. And how could he do it? Two words. With God. No pill. No drug. No army. With God. Listen to this in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. We've already read this. It says, The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 5 of Joshua 1, we read this also. I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Verse 9 of the same chapter. For the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. He said, how can you do this? How can you cross over the Jordan? How can you have hundreds of thousands of people in tow? How can you conquer these cities that are fortified before you? How can you do it? He doesn't talk about tanks or guns or swords or pills. He doesn't talk about this great strategy. He says, I will be with you. Now, I don't know what your Monday will look like tomorrow. And you may not have to have cities that need to be conquered. You may not have to have armies that you have to leave. You might not even have to step over a drop of water. But I can tell you this. You will face challenges. And God will be with you. In the hallways of your school, God will be with you. In the meeting rooms where you work, God will be with you. As you are in your car, God is with you. As you're in your house, God is with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, God is with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's better than an army. Now, I'm... I'm a weird historian nerd when it comes to certain things. One thing I've come to really enjoy is tanks. And in World War I, they came out with the Mark I tank. 
It was abysmal. It was ugly and terrible. By the way, they called it a tank. One, because they wanted to be subversive and they didn't want their enemies to know what they had. The other thing is that it literally looked like a water tank. No turret. It couldn't do anything. It couldn't ford the water. It was a terrible excuse for a tank. But as they progressed, they got bigger and better and faster and crazy accurate. Now, you're not going to be in a tank tomorrow. There won't be one at your side. But let me tell you this. God has already crossed into tomorrow. He has claimed that day for His, and He has called you His own. And He says, I will be there, and I am with you. Do you know that God is with you? And are you prepared for that battle? Ephesians chapter 6, I want to close out with this. says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. That's pretty scary. I don't know about you. But you line up those spiritual forces, the evil ones, that, that's pretty scary. I can't even see those, but they're at work against me. But God is already there. This week, I want to ask you to summon up the courage. And so that someday, you will be able to have the epitaph the life sentence of Joshua who says, be strong and courageous. This morning, I want you to know God is with you. And for those of you who have chosen to devote your life to Him and to be buried, He's not just with you, He's in you. I've got some great news. That invitation is for everybody. I've got some even better news. We've got some water right here if anybody wants to be buried today. And they want to start a new life. Now I'm told that the heater didn't work quite right and it's a little chilly, but we can make do. And I want to encourage any of you who want to live a life with God and have God in you to accept that invitation and choose to follow Jesus. Be strong and be courageous because God is with you. And this is the rally cry we have this morning. As we stand and sing a song of invitation, may we be reminded that God is with us. Please join me as we stand and sing.